Hi, welcome to Be Positive, Shoot Negative Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 2. This week, we have a very talented, large-format photographer, Brian Burks. You guys know the deal. So without further ado, let's hop right in. Hi, uh, welcome to Be Positive, Shoot Negative uh, Podcast. How how are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a huge honor to have you on the show. Um, like we just a little bit ago talked about... Um, love what you do and how you present yourself on your channel and it's an honor to have you on the show appreciate it so um you have always mentioned that you get most of your income from wedding photography um how did you get into wedding photography uh what was some of the hardest things to start a business as well what are some advice to give people who would like to get into this kind of business yeah, well, I, I've only been doing uh, photography for actually around two years for weddings. Um, I initially, me and my buddy Josh, who I shoot weddings with, we started that in 2013. I met him in college, and initially it was all video. We did uh, video work for around, uh, let's see, we're going on eight years now, which is crazy, but um, I never said I would do like... I always said I wouldn't do wedding photography just because the photographers that I met in that space were just, they weren't very personable and they seemed to just always talk about gear and like how much money they make. And I mean, I, honestly, it's a lot of vendors are like that in the wedding world. So I just, I didn't like taking charge on wedding days. I kind of like, I just like to sit back and let things happen. And when you're a photographer, obviously you have to direct people and pose them and all this stuff. So I was always kind of turned away from that. And I just liked sitting back and ca catching shots as they happen. And with video, that's a lot easier to do. But we started that. Um, I did my buddy's uh, wedding for like 20 bucks one time. And then it just kind of snowballed and you charge 40 and then you charge 100. And then uh, just word of mouth gets out there and I've never done like advertising or anything like traditional advertising or anything like that. Just have a YouTube channel to share the videos and a Facebook page to, uh, to let people know about things that we're doing. And it kind of just snowballed from there. And I was really excited about, uh, last year, but then the pandemic happened and uh, it was just a mess. Cause obviously no one's ever been involved with that before, but it was just a lot of postponing and, trying to figure out where to put different weddings, but it's looking a lot better now. And I'm excited for the rest of the year because uh, it's obviously going to be a lot better this year. So um, do you have like any tips for someone who would like to do any like video work or um, the photography aspect of wedding photography? Yeah, I would just, I mean, you just had to get out there and do it and you're not, gonna make like you might see online that people are making like five six like ten thousand dollars because that's like the clickbaity youtube video to make like how i made double double figures or whatever in wedding photography but you just have to know that you're gonna start out making like i mean you're probably gonna do a wedding for a couple hundred bucks if that and my best advice is to just treat your your clients like family uh keep in touch with them afterwards, like become Facebook friends with them. Um, don't treat them like a client or just like, don't treat them like profit or anything like that. Like, yeah, you're making money, but 
the relationship's more important than that. And just uh, never think that you're above anyone else either. Like there's tons of photographers out there, DJs, like they just think they're above you. And it's like, you're all, you're all there to make the wedding happen. So never forget that. Just, you're just one part of the puzzle, one piece of the puzzle. So uh, just be humble about everything. And yeah, just do as much work as you can starting out just so you can get a portfolio and you're going to learn things as you go. You're, you're not going to learn from like courses or like you can only learn so much from those types of things. Like all the information on YouTube for free is all you need. That's how I learned everything. So yeah, just, uh, just know that you're not going to make a lot of money starting off, but it will snowball and you'll eventually get to where you want to be. Um, one of my favorite um, features and things that you do on your channel is uh, your analog artisans. How do you approach people for that series? Um, and then what's the process for shooting it as well as the photography aspect of it? Yeah, for that, um, I mean, most of the time it's just people, like the first couple ones that I did, I would uh, like go on Instagram and just type in like hashtag STL artist or St. Louis artist or something like that. And I found a couple people that way, but uh, most the most of the first ones were just people that were in my like friend group that I kind of knew of. So I just, again, I just started out with that and then you kind of just snowball into other people. And then, um, I mean, honestly, they come together pretty quickly. Um, I might reach out one day and then just set up a day to shoot and film and just tell them what, what's going to happen. Just a short little interview and uh, video and photos. And then I edit really fast. I don't know if that's, it's, it's usually a, a good thing cause I get things done, but uh, sometimes it is a bad thing just cause I want to see it done so quickly and I want to get the final product out. But um, that's just really nice on my part. Cause I can get them out pretty quickly after I shoot them. But yeah, it's just reaching out to local people and people that are somewhat close to me. And like the farthest I've gone is Rashad's episode. And he was in Bloomington, Illinois, which is a couple hours away, but I really wanted to shoot his episode because he's just an amazing photographer. And in the future, I'm looking forward to just traveling more and getting in touch with more uh, creative people, specifically photographers, because not only do I get to uh, interview them, I, I mean, I learn things from them along the way. And the more people that I can interview that are better than me at things and they can show me like a different side of the process because everyone has like their own process, but it's not always the best way to do things. So if I can see more people uh, work in front of me that are actually better than me, then I can learn something and then I can share that with other people. And it's like a win-win for everyone. Yeah. That's how I am with like the podcast. I've interviewed some amazing people and it's every time that I get done with the podcast, it's like, I never really thought about looking at like a scene or something that way. And uh, um, it's really helped. Like it's crazy just like communicating with different artists and different people, not always particularly in photography really helps you as well as an artist. Right. That's why I used to get like, 
I was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day. Like I used to get so upset about uh, like negative comments on YouTube and it's just hard specifically when you're growing and you're, you're a smaller channel and you're just like, why is this person either like attacking me or just telling me that I'm doing something wrong. But when I look back on those negative comments, I'm like, it turns out that most of the time they were right, even though they, they may, may have said it wrong or went about the situation wrong. But I think that's just a, it's a good thing to get feedback specifically when you're a YouTuber is to just put things out there and it might be negative comments, but if you really look deep down at it, at it, it could help you in the long run. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do recently with any negative comments, just like let it roll off me and really look at it and see if it's something that I can uh, change with my channel. Um, you've always mentioned that you have anxiety when approaching people to take uh, portraits and strangers. What's some advice for people who feel the same way, who want to be able to just take portraits of strangers? Um, honestly, you just, you just have to go out and do it. And that's probably like terrible advice to hear, but uh, like, again, I was talking to my girlfriend about this because uh, a couple weeks ago I got on Instagram live and was just doing like a Q and A type deal. And I got done with that. And I was like, can you imagine like a couple years ago, me doing like an Instagram live and just talking to random people? Like I'd be completely terrified, but like getting in front of the camera on YouTube really helps. Um, and then just like getting, putting yourself out there, like everyone says that you just have to put yourself out there, but you just have to know that the, the worst thing that can happen is they say no, and then you just go on about your day. And one of the videos that I did make about getting rejected a couple times before I actually got a portrait, like that was a great thing to happen because it kind of loosens you up and then you're not as afraid the next time. And it, that small video is kind of like the same mindset going into like a, a, a more broader timeline is you just have to keep doing it and just work it out like a muscle. And then eventually you just, you're, you'll still be, you'll still have some anxiety, but it, it won't be as bad and you won't be like terrified to go about the situation. And like, uh, just before this interview, I, well, I knocked on a door yesterday and, uh, the, the woman was just like, uh, she didn't have the time for a portrait or anything. So she told me to come back today. And then it's just like, you just have to, you just have to do it. And it's, it gets easier. And, uh, just know that the people aren't like, they're not uh, monsters or anything. They're just people like you and me. And uh, the more you do it, the easier it's going to get. Um, other than your one uh, video, when you guys took a, when you took a trip to Colorado, uh, you featured landscape uh, photography. Why do you feel more drawn to portraits than the landscape aspect of photography? I don't really know what it is exactly. Um, I've tried to like dive deeper into like my reasoning behind taking pictures of people and like strangers in particular, but I think it's just because uh, like growing up, I myself was pretty shy and uh, I knew that I would have more opportunities come my way if I were to put myself out there. 
So I guess it's kind of like, obviously I like taking pictures of people just cause I, I, I think it's more challenging for one. Um, it's a lot harder like to capture a person in all of their glory compared to just like a sunset or like a mountain when you can just go out and point your camera every which way and get a good photo. But uh, yeah, I just like, I like having the conversations and meeting the people and it's just like, it's more personal for me. And I feel like it's helped me so much in my, in my personal life, like photographing strangers and people and just getting more comfortable around people in general. It not only helps me in my photography, but just like every facet of my life. So anyone that's out there that wants to take more photos of people, obviously it's a lot harder right now, but I definitely recommend it. And even if it's just a portrait of your mom or dad or sister, like you just do those and then you can uh, snowball into other people and maybe even go up and knock on someone's door like I do. Uh, you started out with uh, Mamiya 645 1000S, and then uh, the Mamiya RB67, and then the Pentax 67, and then you started 4x5. What was your idea through this progression of con constantly getting the bigger negative? Well, when I first when I first started researching film cameras, because I saw a picture that someone took on a uh, Fuji GW690, and I saw that on Reddit, and I started reading about like I didn't know anything about like negatives or uh, different formats or anything like that, and I started researching that, and I actually purchased a GW690 when I first it was going to be my first camera. And then I was reading about it and it said, you only get like eight photos or whatever. So I was like, well, that's not going to last very long because I'm going to be wasting all kinds of money. So I went with the Mamiya because you get 15 shots. And yeah, I started out on that. And then I started watching, obviously, like Willem and looking at Rosie Matheson portraits. And you just can't get the types of portraits that she takes with a Mamiya 645. So I started looking into the RB and the RZ and things like that. And then it's just kind of every time I would get a camera, I would find out that it doesn't have something that I need. In the case of the RZ, it was the shutter speed being so low and I don't really like carrying uh, ND filters or anything like that, but I do now. But uh, at the time, I didn't really want to fuss with that. So I got the Pentax and I loved that camera. And I shot that a lot and I loved it, but uh, it just turns out that I just like taking like a couple photos of something and moving on. Um, it takes, it took me so long to finish a roll of 35 millimeter. Like I would be sitting on the same roll for weeks and it just, once I got them back, I didn't like the look. Uh, there wasn't enough detail, things like that. So that was just me weighing the pros and cons between each system and um, I think four by five just suits me the best in just larger formats. Cause I don't like to take a lot of photos and I just like the detail and the look that you get. So that's kind of why I settled on that. But the, the, there's probably going to be times where I miss the Pentax, but in that case, I'll just, I have a digital camera, so I'll just fall back on that. If I really want to take like a couple snapshots. What do you think draws you to the analog process more than just shooting strictly digital? 
I don't really, I think, cause I mean, I, I want to say it's the process cause it is. And a lot of people say that it slows you down and things like that. And it does, but, um, I think it's just cause I wanted something different. I like, I, I was with digital for so long and doing weddings and things like that. And just everything was so fast and quick. I just wanted something that was the complete opposite of that. And when I got into film, I was doing, um, I, I mean, I still do all my own developing and things like that. Um, but I think it's just the look that you get. I can't, you can't replicate that look on of large format with digital unless you do like stitching and panoramas and things like that. But even the other day, um, the first day out with just large format and digital, I took four photos on the four by five and I liked every single one of those. It turned out exactly how I wanted. And then the, the digital photos were okay, but it's like, I'm, I just can't get in the same mindset when I'm using a digital camera as I am with large format. Cause there's not enough on the line, I guess. So you're not really on your a game as much. I don't know. Cause when I look, when I'm using like four by five, it's $5 for a shot of portrait 160. And you just, you want to make sure everything's perfect. So you really focus on your composite composition. You focus on your getting the correct focus, the correct exposure. Like you want everything to be perfect. And then I bust out my digital camera and I'm just like, snap, 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 snap. Yeah. And I look back at them. I'm just like, they're okay, but it just doesn't, doesn't do it for me. And like, I would never use film for a wedding or anything like that, because that would just be insane. And that's kind of like where the pros and cons of each, like digital has its uses for a lot of things and like wedding photography and wedding videography is obviously going to be digital. And then maybe if you're feeling crazy, you might bust out the four by five and take like one portrait. But yeah, I just like above all else, I just like the look that you get. Cause you can't uh, specifically like eight by 10, you cannot get that anywhere else. Yeah. Um, same with me, um, Jason uh, Grainy days. Um, he said it the best It's it's when he looks at a film picture, it's like a dream. Like it brings you back to that moment. And it's very dreamlike. And that's, how I feel like I shoot 35 millimeter I shoot with my Pentax and then I have four by five and you just each time it's very dreamlike and that's why I like the whole analog process um you've also mentioned that you aren't a big book person like you have uh boys um how do you keep your creative juices flowing um what what keeps that mindset for you mostly for me it has to come from um just the people that i watch and the people that i've connected with so far during all this um i don't have many books because i mean i've i have bought books in the past but then i just end up selling them because i only keep the ones that i continually go back to and yeah, like you said, I have Boys by Rosie and then um, American Prospects by Joel Sternfeld. And like, I was just looking at that book the other day and there's just, there's so many different things in there that you can look at it. Like there's always something new. So 
I'm not, the inspiration I get is from like the couple books that I have. I, I draw a lot of inspiration from movies that I, that I watch and just other like YouTubers and people that I follow on Instagram. I'm always drawing inspiration from them. But uh, lately it's been a lot of like uh, Joel Sternfeld and Alex Soth and people like that, like taking large format portraits and landscapes and really focusing on like each individual shot and getting the most out of every picture that you take. Yeah. Have you ever looked through uh, sleeping by the Mississippi? No, that's uh, I've been wanting to get that one. I'm that's probably going to be my next purchase for sure. But I feel like I've, I've watched so much of his stuff. I don't really know if I need to get it, but I think I am going to get it just for just to have it and to support him as well. Cause he's just an amazing photographer. I just recently got it and I've watched just like you so much work and it's one of my favorite books I've ever owned. It's um, definitely a must buy. Um, you are shooting a project. Um, can you give me some insight into the project? What's the driving factors behind it? Possible medium. Are you doing a zine, a book? Is it going to be digital? And then do you have a release date? So for that, um, so I had the idea um, around probably March of last year. I was, I was obviously like infatuated with taking photos of cars because that's what's, I mean, I'm not going to lie. That's what was popular. So I, I took photos of cars and it, it worked to get more exposure and stuff like that. But obviously you get kind of tired of taking the same photos of uh, the same things over and over. And I came upon this scene with a uh, different cars in St. Louis and the guy that actually owns the cars stopped me and was like asking what I was doing and things like that. And we just got to talking about everything and I ended up taking his portrait and that was like kind of the, the idea behind taking photos of the owners and not just the cars. And I made the, the dumb mistake of putting out a book last year that I thought was like, it was, I thought it was like the best idea to put out a book right then because I thought I needed to do it because there's a lot of other people on social media that were putting out books. And I wish I would have never done that because um, it was just uh, short-sighted to put it out. And it was like a little mix of the car project and it was a mix of like just my favorite photos that I've taken. So I put that out and it was called the Articles of Virtue. And I'm still not sure on the title of the project overall, but um, ever since I took that photo of uh, his name was Mark. I took his photo. Um, every time I want to take a picture of a car, I just either go up and knock on the door or try to get a photo of the owner as well. And I'd say like 90% of the time I end up getting the portrait of the owner, but sometimes they're just like, yeah, you can take a picture of the car if you want to. But at that point, it's just like, I'd rather just get a portrait of them. So I'm hoping to work on that um, all of this year because I am getting the eight by 10 soon. So I hope to take a lot of portraits on that and then see where I'm at at the end of the year. And I, I don't know exactly when it's gonna be released, but um, I just wanna make sure that people are, are actually uh, interested in it and actually wanting it. Cause when I 
put out the last one, the response was a little weaker than I thought it was going to be, which kind of sucked, but I don't blame people at all because um, it just really wasn't that great. So uh, really looking to take my time and get like a nice, um, I don't think it's going to be a, it's going to be self-published for um, almost positive, but definitely just want to get a nice, um, a nice design and a nice uh, publisher and just really make it worthwhile for people. Uh, you started making prints at home. Um, the Nova print, like we talked about, one of my favorites, already have it coming on the way. Uh, what drew you to the process compared to just strictly just going to a lab? Well, I told myself there's two things that I said I would never do, and that was shoot 8x10 because of the cost. And uh, my... 8x10 cameras coming in two days. And then I said I would never get a darkroom set up because it was just too much of a process and I didn't want to learn how to do everything. But I was watching um, Ribs doing film things on YouTube and I was watching uh, William Sheepskin on YouTube and they both have dark rooms and they just made it look so effortless and easy. And they're, they're very minimal. Um, they don't have like a bunch of stuff. And every time they would print something, it just looked like such a fun process. And I looked into that and um, I was looking on Facebook and Craigslist and I was trying to just find something that came with everything. So I didn't have to buy so much stuff. And I ended up finding something in St. Louis from a girl that um, worked in a studio for 15 years. And she had everything that I needed to get started besides um, paper and chemicals. So yeah, I started that probably three weeks ago. And that's like, it's completely changed how I shoot. It's changed how I look at photos. Um, like every time that I take a photo now, I'm thinking about what it's going to look like as a print and just going through that whole process. And yeah, it's been really great. Like I, I'm kicking myself that I haven't, didn't get into it sooner, but I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, when the eight by 10 comes doing like contact prints and, I don't have a uh, enlarger head for, for eight by 10, but I'll be able to do contact prints and I could still do uh, four by five up to 16 by 20. So definitely looking forward to diving in, into that more when I shoot some more black and white. Same with you. I've seen like ribs do his in a bathroom and the moment I am able to get a bathroom that doesn't have a window or have a dark room area, I'm definitely going to definitely start shooting and for uh, getting a dark room set up mm -hmm. you've mentioned it throughout the podcast so far that you sold off all your medium format gear and started shooting exclusively large format what prompted this decision um and as well where do you see your artwork going forward well yeah like i said earlier i was just I wasn't using the pentax as much um every time i would go out it would just be um, focusing on four by five and then getting the backup photos on the, on the Pentax. And every time I would go out and shoot, I was just all, like solely focused on getting large format shots just because I wanted that specific look and I wanted the detail. And then every time I would look at the backup photos, I was like, yeah, these aren't as great. And I don't know if it's because I was just like kind of 
when I show up on a subject or a scene, I take it on large format and then I'm kind of just like bothered to take the Pentax shots. But just everyone that I've been reading about and watching for inspiration, they shoot large format and a, a lot of the same ideas and inspiration that, that they have really resonates with me. So um, like I said, I thought I would never shoot eight by 10 just cause it's so very expensive for the film, but um, Intrepid is such a great company and I didn't buy specifically directly from Intrepid, but they make such a lightweight and affordable camera that I couldn't pass it up. And I found one for um, less than $800 and just, I sold my Pentax and I don't regret it at all. At all. Um, I just don't like keeping gear that sits around. I'm not a collector. Um, I wanna use the things that I have. So definitely looking forward to that. And, um, I kind of had to get some things for processing and developing because I do everything at home. And I think that that helps a lot that I do the stuff at home because when you're looking at prices for developing eight by 10, it's like $10 a sheet. And then that's not even scanning. So it would be like $30 per photo and that's just not doable long-term. So definitely recommend anyone that's looking at large format to learn how to do do it at home. It's uh, the initial investments a lot, but in the end, you're going to save a lot of money and uh, you'll be able to shoot the format that you want. Yeah, that's how I develop 35 and medium format at home, but large format. I don't have the equipment right now to develop and scan everything. So I send it to like the dark room, mm -hmm. but um, to counteract that, I shoot a direct positive paper. Okay. I don't, um, have you ever tried it? I've actually been looking at that because um, I know it's pretty inexpensive for eight by 10. So I might look into doing that and then um, seeing what that's like when I, when I get the eight by 10. Here, let me pull up a thing for you. I don't know if you could see, but they're pretty. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot and they're like really, really high contrast and uh, just like really black and white <laughs> yeah you gotta shoot it like at iso one so yeah it's uh definitely if you're trying to shoot portraits with it you gotta have like a light source that's like as bright as the sun but <laughs> other than that it's it's a lot of fun and doing like that whole developing at home and like trays and stuff is definitely something really cool to watch mm -hmm. what's the most weirdest or most memorable moment you have ever had with a camera in hand man i don't i don't you you would expect with the amount of uh people that i like knock on random doors that i would have like some crazy like murder freakazoid story but the majority of my interactions are just like with normal everyday people um, I mean, I guess the first guy that, that I met for the project that I was talking about, his name's Mark. Um, when I was, when I pulled up to that scene, it was just his house and a couple cars in his front yard. Um, I was walking up and he like said, oh, are you going to take pictures of those cars? And I'm like, yeah. And he started talking to me. And then this was at the very beginning of, uh, COVID and everything. So I was like trying to keep my distance and he very obviously did not care 
and he was like all up in my face and I'm like trying to stay away. But, uh, he like invited me into his backyard and then he had like this garden and he had like 10 other vehicles back there. And then he invited me into his garage and we just kept getting further and deeper into his, uh, into his house and property. And he wasn't like a weird guy, but he just kept, uh, just saying some strange things. And I was like trying to get out of there and, and be nice at the same time, but we kept going further and further back into his property. And I was just like, okay, you know what? I just want to get your portrait and get out of here. Cause I'm kind of scared right now. And I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but yeah. Uh, I've been, there's only been a couple times where people are just like, weirded out a little bit by wanting to get their portrait or just like telling me to get off their property. But, uh, overall just very normal, relaxed interactions and not very many memorable, uh, weird moments. And then do you favor color photography over black and white or what's your feeling on that? That's hard to say cause I love color, but obviously as you get, with four by five and eight by 10, it gets so expensive and eight by 10 is 160 to $200 for 10 sheets of film, which is insane. And like today I went out and when I, when there's something in the scene that warrants color, I don't mind shooting color, even if it costs a little bit more, but, um, I've been wanting to shoot more black and white now because of the dark room situation. And, uh, making my own prints because I can't print color at the moment. Um, I can print color negative as black and white, but uh, definitely can't print color or anything. And I'm not going to say that I'm not going to get into that because I'll probably just switch and change my mind later. But uh, if I had to choose, it would probably be color. But um, for the sake of finances and things like that i don't mind shooting black and white and i want to get better at shooting black and white as well because that will just make my um prints better in the long run and make me a better photographer as well yeah like how my mindset is is literally on 35 because i have a rolly 35 and i love shooting black and white through it and then on my pentax i shoot color and then four by five is whatever i can afford at that time that's literally the entire mindset. Um, yeah, I, feel, I feel like uh, I, I do want to shoot uh, 8x10 color at some point, but it's just going to be for very special things and like when the time is perfectly right and the lighting's perfectly right. But I've made enough e initial investment right now that I'm going to have to hold off on getting the color 8x10. Um, my suggestion is if you want to shoot um, color large format is a shop with amazon.japan oh really yeah so um they have like film that is like that you know how like different markets have different film mm -hmm. so i got fuji color 160 ns mm -hmm. and it doesn't expire until 2023 and i ordered it literally on today's wednesday so i ordered it on monday and it got here on tuesday and it was like Forty dollars for everything. Oh wow! And that's, five that's rolls. Four, oh, uh, that's one twenty. Yeah, and then they uh, like they do Fuji Chrome Velvia fifty for like eighty dollars, and that's oh, wow. includes shipping for four by five. So, huh. 
I don't know how much me saying this on the podcast is going to affect people buying it, but um, definitely if you're shooting like slide film or anything like Fuji, uh, color or Chrome, definitely check that out. Yeah, and I could, I, I'll send you a link after uh, we're done for sure. Cool. Yeah, I've because I I used to shoot. Um, I mean, I'm almost uh, all like portrait of 160 mostly, but. Um, I have been interested in uh, the Fuji 160, and I know they they still make it over there. And uh, there's some expired film, but I'm not necessarily that big of a fan of shooting expired film, just because I you never know what you're gonna get, and I'd rather just put my money towards something that I can get consistent results from. And I mean, that's another tip for people out there: is just to find find something that you connect well with and something that works with your process and stick with that because it's going to save you money in the long run and save you a lot of time taking pictures that you're not necessarily happy with. Yeah, um, definitely check out that. And um, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. It means a lot that you took the time out of your day to come on and uh, thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, whoever else you have on the podcast. If you would like to see some of the amazing work of Brian, you can see him on YouTube as well. Go check out his Instagram. All that information is going to be in the description of this episode. If there's an artist you would like to see on the show, head over to Instagram and follow me at Joey underscore Bally. That is J-O-E-Y underscore B-A-L-L-I. And shoot me a DM and tell me what you think. Thank you for listening and stay safe out there, guys.